vieles Pischen in deinem Wohnturm, aber nicht alles älter wie jeden Unchine. Hast du mal gehört, den mitrischen Moschel wegen Haus? Absurd geboren, ein Scheich ist mit dem Zählen, begraben und ausgestanden in Triesemäßen. That's a clip from a classic episode of the comedy web series Yid Life Crisis. Montreal-born actor Jamie Elman and Montrealer Ellie Battalion are the stars of the series, and it follows them playing two best friends named Jaime and Laser as they showcase the city's rich Jewish culture. And the whole thing is done entirely in Yiddish. The episode you heard is called Yingle Bells, B-E-L-Z, and the comedy duo fulfill a Christmas Eve ritual when some Jews go out and eat Chinese food. They even filmed this at Montreal's Yangtze restaurant, which was a local institution, although it has a new location now. The episode first came out seven years ago, but now it has a new lease on life because they've worked with a group of university students who take a Yiddish and Jewish studies course in China, and they did the subtitles entirely in Mandarin. The episode came out just before Christmas and Chinese New Year, Yidlife decided their humor is just too good to keep from other cultures. The main thing right now, we're trying to work on other translations, in fact, too, because this has been going well. The Chinese translation um, was exciting to work on, and we see that people are watching it. We even have thousands of views of it on our YouTube channel, which that's even more confusing. Who the hell is watching it in Chinese on our YouTube channel? We don't know. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Tuesday, January the 31st, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. Good Life Crisis's web series launched in 2014, and it ran for three seasons. They got so successful, they did a movie about Jewish Montreal food. Then they toured live in several countries. And even during the pandemic, they performed a new show called Pandemish. They had to do it online, though. And so does their shtick translate? Will non-Jews get their inside jokes in Arabic or Russian or French? Joining me now to explain why they hope to showcase Jewish culture to a broader world are Jamie Elman. He actually lives in L.A., but he was in Toronto. And we welcome also Ellie Battalion from Montreal. Shane and Dunk. Shane Dunk to both of you for doing this. We're we're speaking as we're celebrating the year of the rabbit, Chinese New Year, which starts. So uh, I don't actually know how you say that in Yiddish, the year of the rabbit. Oh, now you're really putting us on the spot. My God. Okay, let's start a, a quick Slack channel with our translator. All right, well, we don't know. Uh, but anyway, it's not kosher, so why would you know how to say that? Exactly. But the point is you have a, a new film video out about Jews eating Chinese food at Christmas, which one does of if you're if you're of a certain persuasion. But the cool thing about that is that it, that has Chinese subtitles. So I want to find out how this all started, this whole project of translating it into Chinese. Well, we had the idea of doing translations into different languages for our show from the very beginning, um, because we just thought, man, this is good. Think about all the sad, poor people in the world who don't get to understand our show. We really should translate this for them. But the Chinese one was an interesting one because this is an episode called Yingle Bells. Um, it came out a few years ago. It's uh, something we like to call a, uh, a self-proclaimed uh, classic at this point that we know people watch every year. And it's based on a classic joke about they're trying, uh, you know, I don't want to summarize the whole joke here, but the punchline of the joke is they think I'm teaching them English. 
and really they're teaching. So it's, it, we're riffing on a classic Yiddish joke. If you don't know the joke, just, you know, Google search uh, uh, Yiddish Chinese restaurant joke. And we saw an article recently, maybe last year in the forward about this professor in Beijing, uh, Professor Meng Yang, who is teaching a Jewish studies class at Peking University. Now, first of all, that sentence alone is like, wait, what? Why? She speaks Yiddish. She's very knowledgeable. She's bringing Yiddish culture to China, where they do not know a lot about Jewish culture and Yiddish culture. Apparently, this was very fascinating. So we wrote her and said, hey, don't know if you know about us, but we made this episode. It's about uh, the Jews and the Chinese people. And the whole premise of the episode, which is sort of a thematic premise of our entire series is, look, we're all the same. We all like, you know, knishes are the same as, uh, as or dumplings or kreplach. You know, it's all about the, the rapprochement, the bringing together of cultures. And we're showing the parallels between our peoples. And maybe you should, uh, should show them this episode. And she wrote back right away and said, I know who you guys are. We're fans of your show. We've, I've shown your stuff in my class before. The students love it. And I'll definitely show them this episode. And so that was the beginning of going, well, wait a minute, we finally have a chance here to actually translate it into Chinese. For who? For the, for the Chinese Jews? Probably not, because who are they? There's not many of those. But, um, but for, the, for, the, for the idea of community bridge building, rapprochement, laughing together, laughing at our similarities, what uh, Ellie and I sometimes call it, uh, edutainment. You know, there's something educational for them about learning about Jewish culture in this way. And they did not know that Jews go to the Chinese restaurants on Christmas. So this was the, the beginning of the, of the relationship with Meng and the, uh, the project for her to translate the episode as a class project with all of her students in the class. Ellie, did you want to weigh in on this? I would like to corroborate the statements of Jamie Allen. <laughs> Uh, I also would like to add that, by the way, we discovered, unfortunately, that not everywhere in the world is it true that on Christmas Eve, they eat Chinese food. Uh, Case in point, we were disappointed to find that in the UK, this was not necessarily the case. However, we did find good, I believe, Bangladeshi food, and that did the trick. This is very much specifically a North American thing. What, if any, censorship uh, you know, re- requirements or restrictions because this was done in China. Did you have to overcome or challenges you had to face? Yeah, bottom line, they don't have YouTube in China. Something that I didn't fully understand or, you know, but they block it. They basically block the whole thing. And so when I said, you know, we, we put the Chinese translation on our YouTube channel so that, you know, uh, people who can read Chinese in well, the rest of the world or wherever else YouTube is um, could appreciate it. But there in China, it's basically being watched on Billy Billy, which is their YouTube. And I could send you some screen caps that I took of, uh, of Yid Life on, on Billy Billy. And it's pretty wild to see because uh, it's, it suddenly feels like, oh, yeah, they're, they're in a, a different bubble than we're in. And it's different content and and um, did you get comments? Any 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 interesting comments or anti-Semitism? Not that we know. And I mean, the interesting thing is we can't read the comments, uh, but we um, but we asked uh, Professor Yang and she basically told us that she saw some great uh, comments on Billy Billy. And you, by the way, we Billy Billy is not blocked for us. So if people are curious, they could go to Billy Billy 
and find Yid Life Crisis. It's actually, we posted a link to it on our uh, uh, Facebook and, and Instagram. But she said that she saw comments saying that people find us funny. Um, somebody said that, uh, or she said that there were a few comments that led people to reflect and ponder about uh, Judaism that they had never thought about before. It's, it's like, it's a non-issue there. Like they, it's, it's, it's some, somewhat unknown. She said many of them thought it was German um, because they simply had not heard about the Yiddish language. Well, the last time there was Yiddish spoken there probably was when they were in Harbin and Shanghai during the war and after the war. But let me ask you about this and then it sort of segues to the French one. Do you want all the jokes and nuances to be understood? Like, how do they get the humor or does it matter that they get it all? Not really to us, because we feel, you know, we've always done the show in a way where there are things in there if you get everything, but we want there to be enough in there if you don't get everything. You know, uh, Ellie and I use a shorthand of J for J, jokes for Jews. Of course, our show is very Jewish and there's lots of jokes for Jews in there, but it was also always meant to be seen by people who don't know as much as we do to learn something from it. And that's always been a tricky balance in the writing of these things. It's like we know that it's mostly Jews watching, so you don't have to spoon feed them. What You don't have to explain what matzah is, um, you know, but you do have to explain what matzah is because you don't want to eliminate this uh, whole non-Jewish world, which turns out there's many more non-Jews in the world than Jews. Never mind. Okay. Gay vase. By the way, gay vase. It's, well, by the way, you know, I um, I won't throw any uh, any friends under the bus right now. But even 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 educated, smart people, um, still seem to have no understanding of how few Jews there are in in the world. Like, uh, right. Most people don't don't understand just the uh, that we're barely here. Go ahead. So these are J's for J's, but then there's also J for FCs, j- jokes for French Canadians and people in the French language. How is that project being received? Uh, are they watching it on this French uh, sort of version of Gem? Uh, what are you hearing? Anybody? Yes, in fact, I mean we've been able to see from some of the social teases that have been out there that there is in fact uh, a large reaction a large viewership to what we're doing and uh, and it's well received and it sort of confirms something that we felt even by showing it to our french canadian crew as we were filming it which is that there's certain universalisms in what we're doing that are found to be quite funny the quebec audience is actually i mean they're very familiar with woody allen and they're also quite familiar with seinfeld believe it or not so in the same way they quickly identified the similarity between what we're doing and those two, which in fact are explicitly like our main influences in the project. And what's cool about it is that we do it in Yiddish, but they don't seem to, they don't see language. Uh, no, they're not seeing the, the or, or letting the Yiddish stop it. They're actually seeing our animated nature and getting the vibe, the goo, the tam, the taste of what we're doing. And, and enjoying it uh, in that way. And, and hopefully getting a kick out of seeing two Jewish guys in La Banquise and in other areas of Montreal in ways that they're not used to seeing. And perhaps they're more used to seeing Jewish culture being represented in the Orthodox, ultra-Orthodox community, uh, not, uh, you know, atheistic mumzerim like Jamie and myself. Well, you bring up that point that because the Outremont clash of cultures, Bill 90, six bill one you know bill 21 is is the context for this how does that translate or how does that even help try to 
smooth things out between neighbors as this project sort of was supposed to do? It's it's harder to say that our project, the intention was to Im- improve relations between French Canadians and the ultra-Orthodox community. I think, if anything, it was more to demonstrate that Judaism is not a monolith, that yes, the ultra-Orthodox community is certainly a part, and in fact, kind of where we come from, but a large, the majority of Jews that would be encountering Quebec would not be ultra-Orthodox, and to make them aware that that exists, and to recognize that there are similarities, and there is various shades of of Jewish secularism. And I think that we're very good examples of it. And when you're doing it in Yiddish, does that sort of be a workaround against offending the Afistila Long Francaise? Because it's in, you don't need French subtitles. Yeah. You you basically just uh, found our strategy this this entire time. So congratulations. You're the first one to pick it out. Uh, Very astute of you. We actually, we had planned to create a video where we wanted to defend the Yiddish language. And so we end up actually renting space at the Office de la Langue Française on Sherbrooke. And we all unite in our detestation of the English language, which has effectively ruined both of our languages. And that's a joke, but it's actually not a joke. The reason why, well, there, there's two reasons why there's so little Yiddish, relatively speaking, in the Jewish world now. One, unfortunately, is the Holocaust. Two, though it's it's disproportionately and not as considered as much, is because English took over, because English contaminated the Yiddish world, and it was just the easier language to speak, and people became embarrassed about speaking Yiddish, and they wanted to speak the, the cool, new, shiny thing, which was the English language. But that's why, particularly in America, uh, that's the reason why Yiddish doesn't exist anymore. So we're going to team up in real life with the Office de la Langue Française, and we're going to take out this English language that I can't even stop myself from speaking. It's horrible. <laughs> Except that the Orthodox, ultra-Orthodox Haredi would never watch your show, ever, unless secretly they're going to get cheremed if they do, because you even have warnings on the YouTube uh, in French, which I thought was very interesting because I didn't see that on the Chinese one. Talk about that, the warnings about explicit situations, and I guess it was Harry Metzali type of, you know, with the smoke meat. Yes, yes, we do have warnings uh, on our content because, um, well, it's mostly as a joke, quite frankly, although if you are, if you are truly highly religious, I guess you could be offended by our material. And in fact, we thought that that might be a risk when we started the show. But to your point, there's a funny thing about this, which is that the ultra orthodox can't really watch our show. And yet they do watch in secret. And we have this confirmed anecdotally, by various conversations that we've had in the mile end. And when we're spotted by Hasidim leaning out of Dodge Caravan saying, hey, you do the Yiddish. We know, we know that they know. Um, but it's like the rabbi with the playing golf uh, and gets the hole in one on Yom Kippur. Who's going to tell? So they can only tell us. So that's a very gratifying situation when we find out that our, our show has been watched. You were mentioning that you had jokes for Jews. There's jokes for French Canadians, which is about poutine and and how you eat it. But then there's things that they need a glossary. I was wondering if you do an online glossary where you talk about that all of a sudden you're doing Damsvardea and like only Jews would know what that is. And only people who have ever been to a Seder would know what that is. And how do you uh, consider putting a book out of like, what is this Judaism for for, for your life crisis, like a, a companion? 
Long story short, tachlis, as we say in Yiddish, since this is, after all, the Canadian Jewish news, and this may, in fact, get heard across the country, and maybe somebody will actually get behind this. But yes, for many years, we have been discussing doing a comprehensive director's commentary, Talmudic-style breakdown of every line of the series, which we really did pack with a lot of information, and a lot of people... Uh, get some of it and some people get some of it and some people get less of it and yes it's always been an idea to break it down not just because of the language barrier of the Yiddish or the you know the French Canadians watching but you know even just as an educational tool there's lots of things in there so we've always accepted that there are going to be people who don't get all the jokes and we've luckily discovered that they still find it funny but wouldn't they find it that much more interesting if you could then let's say have a little pop-up window as you're watching go wait what was that or watch it back later or yes in a actual published book this is something we've talked to uh, various organizations or academic institutions we've talked to columbia university we have you know uh, it's it, it's kind of hard to get these things off the ground, and but we we do think it's a worthwhile project from a rapprochement standpoint, from an educational standpoint. You know, we had we worked with a translator named Alain Omer Duranceau, and where necessary, found clever ways of embedding the education into the line somehow, change it. And that's why it's not a direct translation. That's why it took so long. These are not direct Google Translate things. It's really carefully done where it, every, it has to be preserved. It has to be funny, but it also has to be understandable. Sometimes it doesn't work. In some cases, we did something extreme. For example, we have an episode called Sue Cannabis, which takes place, of course, in a sukkah on um, Sukkot, um, just after the time that Canada legalized uh, marijuana. And so we're, uh, we're hotboxing the sukkah. It's our marijuana tribute episode about Jewish Thanksgiving, sukkah, all these things. And one of the big jokes in the episode, which we've screened for Jews and which gets like one of the biggest reactions of anything in our series, the crazy gag that involves a mezuzah where I'm looking for a paper to roll a joint um, and can't find one. And then you see the mezuzah and it's like, oh, he can use that. He knew, Alain knew, this is just one example, but he knew th th this joke will not land. Like there's no way for them to understand that there's a scroll that's a piece of paper inside that, whatever that is, that you're then going to take to roll a joint. So that joke won't land. And in that case, he found a way that when we first see the mezuzah in the episode, he actually does a pause, record scratch, and on screen, you could see this two-second explanation of what it is. And he plants it early in the episode, and then it pays off when they can laugh at it at the end. Uh, but to your point, if anyone is listening out there and wants to help us create um, the complete masterworks, Yid Life Crisis, seasons one to three, and break it down. We'd love to do that. And we think it is a worthwhile project. Okay. You could both get your honorary PhDs and you could both be do Jewish doctors. There you go. Two Jewish doctors, instead of disappointing your family and going into comedy, now you publish a book. Well done. Well, well done. Um, no, we've been trying to leverage our entire work into honorary degrees for years now. We just, it's very hard to reach the people at University of Phoenix, you know, they just don't pick up their phones. So what's next for you guys on your entertainment calendars? Is there going to be coming up in the next couple of months? Um, for a long time, we've been trying to create the Arabic translations uh, of the show. And like we explained a few minutes ago, these are not easy translations to do for any of the languages because of the way we wrote the show. It just... 
you know, we wrote, we wrote it to be viewed with English subtitles and, you know, with a Jewish kind of audience in mind. Anyways, they're not direct translations. That's what we call it adaptations of what we're doing. And to do an Arabic adaptation of this stuff is very challenging and to get the language right and the jokes right and talk about rapprochement and, and, and trying to show how, hey, uh, we're, all, we're all the same. And uh, the whole dumplings and kreplach thing and uh, you say hummus and I say hummus or whatever it is, uh, we've been working on that for a while. We, we hope to get that out this year. So we're working on that. And we were also working for a while. There's many Jews from the former Soviet Union who are, in fact, in Montreal and across Canada and across the world. Um, and so we've actually also been working on uh, Russian translations of a bunch of the episodes. So that's, you know, it's, we have the live shows and we have the translations and we'll keep you posted on uh, what's next after that. Sounds good. One last question. You heard about the Montreal bagel dunks from Nike that came out two weeks ago. Did you see them on any pictures of them? Wearing them now. No, honestly, are you? No. You well, you can't tell because it's Zoom. No, so but are you? Did you buy a pair? Off the record, no. Okay. Okay. So no. I just wonder what you thought about having a shoe that now, basically, in my opinion, which we said, it settles the argument of who has the best bagels in the world. Thoughts? Hundred percent agreed. Yeah, that's a touchy subject. May I will absolutely. say. They're more, they're better. Their shoes I'm more likely to wear than Kanye shoes. Enough said. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Michael Bass in Markham, Ontario. He wrote in about our episode last week when we talked about Israel's ambassador to Canada asking to be replaced. Bass says that BB and strong conservative support are, quote, desperately needed to reverse the mess the leftist mob made in the thankfully short time they were in power in Israel, he writes. He also says anybody not seeing the importance of a strong conservative administration in Israel now, at this critical time, is in serious need of education, unquote. And with that, we'll end the episode with a clip from Yidlife Crisis's famous Poutine episode, which is now available with French subtitles. It's Yom Kippur, and instead of fasting, Laser asks the waitress to bring his poutine and melted cheese, but to put the meat gravy sauce on the side so he doesn't mix milk and meat. <clears throat> J'aimerais commander un poutine régulier, s'il vous plaît. Super. Mazel tov. Et la sauce à côté. Pardon? La sauce à côté. Merci beaucoup. La sauce de la poutine à côté de la poutine? C'est ça que j'ai dit. Kabarnak, <laughs> 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 